Love Pace Line is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance rates. Go to healthiq.com forward slash Pace Line to support the show and see if you qualify. And the Pace Line is supported by LAL Cycling. The coast is calling. LAL Shore Collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. The Second Amendment, the NRA, mass shootings, not the stuff this show goes for normally, but when familiar bike products get sucked into the debate, then it's time to air it out. We get some help this time from our good friend Yuri Hoswald, who is directly affected by and connected to the boycott movement. So it hurts to see um, people thinking that, you know, saving their dollars or not spending their dollars on Camelback products will affect change. Um... It will only hurt the bottom line for Camelback and some really good people there. Oh, we lighten it up too with my ridiculous suggestion on who should be NBC's next Tour de France announcers. Diggins making the play around Sweden. Yes! Jesse Diggins yes! to the line. Yes! Paceline, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick, Hottie, and Fatty bringing you the official podcast of redkiteprayer.com. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts and find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Guys, this is episode 105 of the Paceline. We're closing in on 200. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So it's a special issue in a way because it's a four-man two-pole group ride today with a four-man sprint to the finish. We're going to talk a little bit about why, but it is going to be a conversational madhouse, and it'll all make sense in a minute, folks, I swear. Hottie, riding guy for RKP and the single best voice in cycling. How are you doing? I am doing great, Fatty. Riding a little more and writing some and, you know, doing this podcast. Awesome. And what you got going for us uh, on uh, when it's your turn to pull for the pace line? Well, I'm going to step into the fire pit today, Fatty, and try <laughs> to talk about the gun debate and bike companies that are indirectly affected by all this. Then I will draw all of you into the crossfire. And by all of you, you of course mean Patrick and me, but we also have a guest for this conversation, our good friend Yuri Hauswald. Yuri, thanks for joining us. I'm stoked to be here, fellas. <laughs> it's it's stokifying to have you here. And let me say, before we jump into this big part of the conversation, congratulations on getting Garmin as a sponsor. Ah, oh, thank you, man. I'm super excited. Yeah, I penned a two-year deal with Garmin. Been chatting with them for a while. Uh, they have some amazing products that will help me with some of my adventures this year. So, uh, yeah, the ink is just drying right now as we speak. Excellent. Oh, it's a big deal to get a sponsor. Congrats. And Patrick, publisher of RKP, how are you enjoying the RKP comment section lately? <laughs> uh, define enjoy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think I need to based on that response. I am Fatty, and I am going to be talking today about trapping the great ideas you have while you are riding. Let's get this uh, let's get this ride rolling, Hottie. Take a deep breath and then lead us out. Here we go. Uh, in the wake of the Parkland, Florida shooting that saw 17 lives taken, two bike shops guys in Portland, Oregon, have announced that they are removing from their shelves all Bell and Giro helmets, Blackburn accessories, and Copilot child bike seats. Those companies and others are owned by Vista Outdoors. In addition to being in the bike biz, Vista is also in the gun business. About 50% of the revenue, which is actually down for them, comes from guns and ammo. They also support the NRA. At the Bell, Giro, Blackburn, Bolet headquarters in Santa Cruz, the Vista logo has been pulled from the signage. This may be unrelated to the recent shootings, as I read one report that Vista wanted to give more identity to the cycling brands they own. Nonetheless, the Vista logo is not on that main sign in Santa Cruz. But rumblings of a boycott targeting the cycling assets of Vista 
have begun in some cycling communities. A contact at Rafa told me that they have received letters asking that it change its partnership with Giro, the company that makes the soles on its shoes and its Rafa helmets. Patrick wrote a piece on boycotts and bike companies for RKP, and as he just alluded to, the comment section was literally on fire. Guys, there are no easy answers here to this debate. When I put on my Giro Empires or my Camelback, I don't see guns and ammos and violence, but I do try to pay attention to where my money is going. I'm happy to see my coin support, the dedicated people of Blackburn, Camelback, Giro, and Bell, but the parent company's main business in support of the NRA really clouds that decision. And I have separate questions for both of you regarding brand and brand awareness and where your money goes. But let's start with Yuri, because uh, Yuri, uh, you've been a teacher. Many people might know that. So you've been on schools. You know what the danger is there and what the safety issues are there with kids in our schools. You're a current Camelback athlete. You've received support from Jiro in the past. So you have lots of irons in this fire here. How are you feeling the effects of this argument firsthand? Uh, I would also like to throw in there that I also work for Goo Energy Lab, so I'm in the sports nutrition business, um, and I have a unique role, as you said. I sort of straddle both worlds. Uh, I work on the marketing side of things for for Goo, but I'm also a professional athlete or quasi-pro, as Fatty and I coined, Um, (laughs) and so I have contractual relations with um, many brands. One in particular, Camelback. I've been a Camelback athlete, just you know, to get the disclaimer out there up front. I've been a Camelback athlete for almost a decade. Have helped them with a lot of product development over the years. Feel like I uh, know the company really well and 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 uh, hold some of the same values, obviously that that they do. Um, so you know, I just want to get that out in front that I, that I have been a Camelback, uh, I guess you could say employee of sorts for, for a while now. So um, my opinion may be biased, um, obviously. Um, but, you know, I've seen it like you guys probably have in, in the social media feeds. Um, there have been some shop owners, you know, who've hurled, hurled it out there, sort of pulled the pin on, on the grenade and just sort of chucked it into the foxhole, right, to see what happens and see um, how this polarizing topic sort of ignites the, uh, you know, the discussion. Um, but, you know, obviously knowing Camelback really well and knowing that there are passionate, compassionate, um, conservative, uh, not conservative, but like uh, conservation-minded folks um, that hold many of the same values that, that I do when it comes to the outdoors and our oceans and getting more kids active and things like that, that um, we share many of the same values. So it hurts to see um, people thinking that, you know, s- saving their dollars or not spending their dollars on Camelback products will affect change. Um, it will only hurt the bottom line for Camelback and some really good people there um, where I think that people could actually be focusing their energy on contacting some of the gun and ammo companies underneath the umbrella of Vista and maybe making their ire felt there and then, you know, turning that into votes um, so we can get people in office who can uh, actually enact gun law change. Some few people f- think, Yuri, that you have to do at least do something. And if it means hurting Camelback in, in the process... That's what needs to be done because the violence has gotten so extreme now. There's been so many lives lost. Um, what? How would you tell folks who are considering that, saying, look, I'm no longer going to buy Bell, I'm no longer going to buy Giro, and I'm not going to use my Camelback. I'm going to go out and get one of those other brands. What would you tell those folks to do instead? I would tell them to contact Savage or one of the other gun or ammo uh, manufacturing brands underneath Vista's umbrella, contact them directly, send them emails, send them letters like they have to Rafa, or I know Camelback has gotten plenty of emails. I'm sure Dane at Giro and those guys have received the same thing. Send your displeasure with, you know, the gun situation in our country to those companies, send it to Vista, maybe figure out who their uh, institutional investors are at Vista, hit them with pressure. You see that this, this collective social pressure, you know, highlighted so well right now by this movement spearheaded by all these kids in Florida that it, it, it works. Um, you're seeing a ton of sponsors from due to social media pressure, right? Pull the plug on the NRA, uh, at least in their perks programs with them. 
and recently, just today, Dix decided to stop selling AR-15s because they had sold a shotgun to the Parkland killer last year and uh, made a statement about believing in smart gun reform um, as we move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, Camelback, to me, uh, represents everything that's good in cycling. It's, you know, they can't control who owns them. And my longtime memory of Camelback will always be uh, at the outdoor demo, Yuri, and the outdoor little outdoor pool we set up having fun. <laughs> and that's the spirit of Camelback. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. Camelback is not in the business of hurting anybody or try and, and they're just in the they're in between Vista and you, the end user. That's where they are. And they just want to make sure you have a great time as a cyclist. It's a tough spot for them, a really tough spot for them to be. Fatty, does the bigger picture of Vista affect your views of of the products of Giro or Camelback or any of those products? You know, if Camelback had anything at all to do with uh, with wanting to be part of Vista, then it might. Uh, as is, uh, I, you know, I spent a little bit of time on the NRA site today, and I, I didn't see Camelback anywhere there uh, or Giro. What I did see is that a way, the way you can join the NRA, you can use PayPal or you can use Visa or you can use American Express. And, you know, I don't hear, uh, you know, so, I mean, these are companies that are actually handling your money to go to NRA. They, they are way more intentionally involved. Um, those are the companies that maybe you ought to be directing your ire toward. Mm-hmm. And maybe you ought to be you know, spending your efforts on talking to companies and supporting companies that have made a positive move. Uh, companies like you know Delta, uh, which has a hub here in Salt Lake, makes me have much warmer feelings toward them than I did before. Enterprise, car rental, you know, they made an affirmative move. And like you mentioned with Dix, they made a move that they did not have to make. And they are one of the largest uh, gun chains, gun selling chains in the United States. So this is something they did knowing that there is going to be a segment of the population that is going to cut them off and go to, you know, go to comp- uh, competition. So support companies that make a principled move that is affirmative. But I would say don't spend your time and your effort and your ire, your you know, your righteous indignation pointed at a company that really has no control of who owns it and the things that they make have nothing to do with the with the gun world at all. Um, one thing, Yuri, that you and I have talked about a little bit, maybe I can get you to tell tell us uh, about this is Camelback has once upon a time, made a product that was very specifically for military and for uh, and for weapons. Um, tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, so having been you know a Camelback athlete for a decade plus, I've gotten to know a lot of their product developers, um, their engineers. And this was a story that was shared to me um, a year or two ago at, at a trade show. And the engineer told me that one year at the SHOT show, which is the military and outdoor show, Um, that Camelback was approached by the NRA because up to that point, Camelback had been producing um, a pack that had a concealed weapons holder. And that pack was only sold to military, law enforcement, police, first responders. And there were strict rules with their retailers. They had to sign agreements saying they wouldn't sell it to anybody outside that umbrella of people. It was only made for those folks who knew how to handle a gun. It was part of their job. Uh, this uh, developer shared with me that the NRA came up to them at the SHOT Show and berated them for not selling it to the general public. And Camelback stood firm. They did not bend to the NRA's pressure. And to me, that just highlights uh, one of their values, you know, that they didn't believe that this pack should be out in the general public. Um, And if you look at the stats, I think just today, it was 68% of Americans believe that we should enact some sort of smarter, uh, more common sense gun reform. Um, and that sort of gets back to my earlier point that if some of these gun and ammo companies feel this kind of social pressure from the populace, you know, from their constituents, they're more likely, right, to support some change. Um, 
and then they're and then people you know are, are are putting like you said their ire in the right place and they're not hurting a company like camelback that wants nothing absolutely nothing to do with vista um the bicycle, you know, and we've talked about this before. This is kind of almost an, I, I guess this is an, I, I always struggle uh, defining irony, but I suppose uh, this would be it. The bicycle is this vehicle of peace and goodwill. And here it is kind of tangled up in this story of violence and dirty politics and money. I mean, two years ago, our favorite beloved machine, the bicycle, was actually uh, thrown out there as a possible Nobel Peace Prize candidate. And that was yeah. pretty cool. And we all kind of got on board with that. And certainly the bicycle has changed lives in all corners of the earth, thanks to people like WBR, the World Bicycle Relief. Patrick, I know mm -hmm. you know a lot of people on the inside of these Vista-owned companies. They must be just terribly conflicted at this point about what— I mean, we want people—we really appreciate people wanting to do something. But for the folks on, inside, on the inside of these companies, what are they going through? Uh, well, Yuri already said it. I've talked to friends at, uh, at some of the companies— you know, these conversations were deeply off the record, but uh, they're all horrified. You know, they um, I'm aware from the comments section of Bicycle Retailer and Industry News that when uh, Bell, Giro, Blackburn, Camelback, Copilot, uh, Boulay, when when that entire set of purchases was made by Vista Outdoor, there were retailers who in the comments section of the piece about that said, well, uh, they're owned by a goat company now, we're dropping them. And you know, the funny thing is, at a certain level, I'm sort of okay with that. They came out right away and showed Vista that they didn't want to have anything to do with them. Um, you know, and as Yuri has noted, they don't have any control over this. The question on my mind is, okay, people feel strongly. They want to take action, you know, and the question to me is, how do you devote your effort in a way that makes the most sense so that you have the greatest impact? And to me, what I came up with is because Vista Outdoors is a publicly traded company. You go, you look up who their institutional investors are, and you contact those institutional investors. Uh, somebody in a comment uh, to RKP, I believe this was on Facebook, uh, mentioned how uh, uh, boy, the boycott of institutional investors worked in helping to end apartheid in South Africa. And mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. But the thing is, yeah, they hit, uh, they hit in as direct a fashion as possible. By not buying products from Bell, Chiro, Blackburn, Camelback, yada, yada, you're not doing anything that will uh, convey your displeasure in a direct fashion. Whereas if you email an institutional investor of Vista Outdoors, they're going to see the email that says, well, as long as you're, uh, as long as you're involved with them, I'm not going to be involved with you. That's direct communication. And the, you know, the other thing that I think about is while certainly there are plenty of people in cycling who are pretty affluent, there are a whole lot of people in cycling who don't have a lot of money. And I think about, well, how stupid is it for you to throw away a Giro helmet if you're not making six figures and you have to go out and buy another helmet? Um, you know, that's money you could take uh, to have a weekend away with your sweetie or something. So I... I get that people are upset. I'm upset. But I want to see us devote our efforts in a way that gives us the maximum possible impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sanctions work. You know, uh, governments play that game all the time, um, but they are also painful. I mean, at the ground level, when the U.S. government levies sanctions, on, economic sanctions on another government, say like North Korea, there is pain, and a lot of the times it happens on the citizens. They're the ones that feel it a lot. It's just whether or not a government can hold up to that, whether they can look their people in the eye and say, okay, no more pain. The tougher bit is a boycott, which what we're talking about here is essentially this would be an economic sanction against Vista, right? But there would be pain, and the pain would be felt, first of all, for the folks at Bole and Camelback, Giro, and Bell. I mean, those people would be hurting right away. And it's whether or not you can look those people on in the eye and go, yep, I'm going to hurt you, but I think it's for the greater good. Or is there another route? Is there another path via diplomacy or via sanction or another way to, to hurt Vista to make them change their ways? 
And the larger question is, would they change? I mean, is this so powerful? Can we affect this change once and for all? That's the crazy thing here. You know, we're all spinning around about uh, bike companies that we love, but boy, this is this is a tough one to get our arms around, Fatty. This is really one of those things you go, is there an answer here? Is there is there a way out of this mess? And I don't know yeah. what there is. And, you know, I've, I've looked around a little bit. I know you've looked around a little bit to find out. So how much money is Vista contributing to NRA? How much – and likewise, how much of uh, Camelback's money goes to Vista, which there then goes to NRA? And you know, we keep saying Camelback because Yuri's got the relationship. But, you know, it applies equally to all of the other bike brands, L, G, Row, and so forth. Um, Yuri, do you have any idea on, you know, how much Camelback money winds up in NRA, at NRA? It, well, none. There's Mm -hmm. no affiliation with the NRA of Cam, Camelback has no affiliation with the NRA. And I, I, I'm pretty confident that Vista is not a dues paying member of the NRA either. I have no idea on numbers of, uh, when it comes to profits of Camelback that go to Vista, um, and as we know, right. Vis- Vista has done some some questionable lobbying more around supporting senators in Utah uh, and the Bears Ears National Monument, um, which seems to pose yeah. a conflict of interest, like we were talking about, sort of offline. But um, I don't have any specific numbers, but I have it sort of, you know, on on good source that there that, that there is no monetary affiliation um, between. Camelback, the and the NRA, nothing. Interesting. You know, one, right. if I can jump in for just a second, uh, I did some looking, and uh, while there are sites that have reported that uh, Vista Outdoor has uh, contributed half a million dollars to the NRA, that's inaccurate. Um, in 2017. Hmm. Uh, Vista Outdoor spent $514,000 on lobbying in total. That's their entire spending on lobbying. That is not the sum that they gave to the NRA. And back to the question of like, well, what is it we're going to accomplish? There's not a scenario in which Vista Outdoor doesn't have some relationship, uh, you know, with, with the gun lobby. Um, you know, I don't, you know, who knows what they're actually giving to the NRA, but I mean, they own companies that make ammo that make guns. They're not going to shut those companies down. That's, you know, the end game. If people are looking for, for no more guns out of Vista outdoor, they're going to be sadly disappointed. That's not a realistic end game, but shrinking what they can spend on lobbying Okay, that's understandable. But the best way to do that, hit the institutional investors. Shrink the totality of what they can spend by hitting all of those companies by driving down their stock price. Can I also jump in and say that I think, you know, people make the assumption when they hear that uh, they have donated money to the NRA for lobbying, that that is lobbying that is to like loosen gun laws. Well, that's not true. They're actually working with the NRA right now to try to fix the NICS bill, which is the national uh, background, um, instant background check system to tighten up that system. Because, you know, having these assaults eventually is not good for them as a brand, right? You have all this backlash uh, against guns and violence, as they should. Um, But it's in their best interest to tighten up these laws, because as we talked about earlier, 68% 68% of America wants smarter, better uh, gun laws that work, you know, background checks that are thorough, a national database, you know, AR-15s not available to the general public. And I don't want to, don't think I want to take away people's guns because I grew up with guns. I'm a farm boy. You do seem like a farm boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, th- I think that we are going to leave this conversation, at least for now, here and it might be something that is worth revisiting. Uh, I assume that we have a number of our listeners who disagree vigorously with us. I, I, I definitely get the sense that we had a little bit of a one-sided argument here. Um, it's less one-sided on uh, on Patrick's uh, comment section. Worth checking out, worth entering, uh, posting your own questions, your own ideas. And uh, while, of course, we all happen to have our own political views and – uh, we don't pretend 
to be fair or balanced. What we are is passionate and we care. And we're talking about things that we actually believe. So I think we are going to take a quick break now, guys. And when we come back, we're going to talk about good ideas, as well as a good idea I had about good ideas. And you know what else is a good idea? Stick around for the rest of this episode of The Pace Line. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for cyclists. They do this by qualifying endurance athletes through quizzes that demonstrate their knowledge of and adherence to a healthy lifestyle. Health IQ follows applicants all the way through the process from when they submit interest to starting applications, from going through underwriting to policy in force. The policy is underwritten by one of our top partners, an insurer. Health IQ's underwriting advantages include family history, reducing your chance of being penalized for adverse family health history if you are otherwise healthy. Low resting heart rate. Most carriers will penalize people if their heart rate is too low. We help them recognize that this is a sign of your excellent health and fitness. The Health IQ Advantage is their unique mortality model on the health conscious, and they have lower rates for health conscious people, just like a good driver gets savings on auto insurance. And they have unique underwriting calculations that replace BMI with waist to hip ratio and more. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash paceline. The pace line is back. We've got four picks coming up, but first, it's my turn to take a poll. And I want to talk about one of the greatest perks there is of writing, and that is an endless supply of what is commonly known as aha moments. I'm not sure why, but it's happened often enough that I am sure it's a thing. I'm riding my bike, enjoying what I'm doing, doing a little mental wool gathering, and then bam, a great idea hits me. And sometimes it's an idea I want to write about. Sometimes it's a solution to a work or a personal problem. Regardless, they're genuinely good ideas. I don't know where they came from. I'm just glad they're there. Once I, you know, years ago, I had a great manager at work who would, when I would come to him with a snag in work I was doing, he would send me out on a ride. I come back often with a great solution, and he got to the point where he would just send me out because it was great ROI for the company, <laughs> me getting ride time in. It That's was a great, <laughs> great manager. And, uh, you know, I just pretend like I had a problem and I could go ridey. No, that's not how it <laughs> The thing is, guys, this isn't at all unusual for cyclists. I think there is something about riding a bike that encourages these aha moments, these brain flashes. Maybe it's getting your heart rate up and being active and comfortable and kind of meditative, doing something that has you active and alert, but doesn't necessarily require absolute concentration, opens your mind to uh, the these wonderful moments of aha. I will say this. I love it when these bolts out of the blue hit me. Weirdly, though, these on-bike moments of clarity come with a problem of their own, holding on to them. I will often have more than one good idea while on a ride, and it will seem obvious at the moment, but then hard to recapture later. Sometimes the ideas slip away altogether, and I know that I am going to lose some of these ideas. I know it. And so I'll start using strategies to hold on to them. I'll use mnemonic devices or I'll ask my wife to remember something or I'll make a three-item reminder list in my brain that I chant to myself over and over. But as often as not, they still slip through my sieve-like brain and they are gone post-ride. Sometimes they return and sometimes they don't. I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one who is like this, but... Yuri, uh, since we are keeping you for the rest of the show. <laughs> so when you uh, you do a lot of big, long rides, you're a, you've done, you know, 24-hour stuff before you do, uh, of course, a, a, you are a fixture in the Dirty Kanza, which is a big ride of its own. You must have these mental moments of clarity. Why do you think that that's so? 
Oh man, that's such a good question. I actually just posted a picture the other morning on a ride where um, I was at that sort of magical intersection of night becoming day, sort of this window that is not looking into the future or the past, but like sort of like this present moment where there's like this stillness and um, it was weird, man. I, there, there's, there's definitely something about the synergy of mind and body and the physical activity too, but I found mm -hmm. that that moment, just some of the smells, the feelings, the way that the, the sky looked, the air that I was starting to hear birds crow again, like clicked these memories in my brain of, like you said, my, my days doing 24 hour solar racing during similar moments of, uh, this magical flash moment between night and day. Um, I don't know what triggers them. I like them. Um, yeah. and you know, that, just kicked off my ride on such a positive note. And I actually, you know, started composing a little bit of a post in my head as I rode that yep. day, uh, and then tried to remember it later. I, I have done the same thing myself. I have composed paragraphs and then lost those paragraphs. Now, Patrick, I know, you know, a lot about flow state. You are a, a, an expert on flow state. Is this an aspect of flow state or is it something else? No, it's something else because flow, you're not really having conscious thought. Your forebrain shuts down. There's no yeah. prefrontal cortex activity. Uh, it's called transient hypofrontality. Uh, and so the whole point is. is to <laughs> the whole point <laughs> of a flow state is to shut down that inner editor um, and to get to a place where you're just firmly in the moment. Now, mm -hmm. things can come out of that. But when you're having conscious thought about, oh, maybe I should write the piece this way, that's the, uh, there can be flowy aspects to it, but it's not flow state per se. Okay. So, but you do a lot of writing and I'm guessing that a lot of your ideas about, you know, things to write about or ways that you ought to write something, I, I, I'm willing to bet money, although not very much because I'm cheap, that you have ideas, great ideas while you are on bike. How do you hold on to them? Well, we should be careful about that whole great idea thing. Um, oh, come on. Don't be, <laughs> don't be modest. Well, no, I, to be serious though, I mean, in my in my piece, 88 temples for bicycling. I, I lay mm -hmm. it out there. All my best ideas have come on the bike. You know, all yep. those great epiphanies of, Oh, this is what I should do. I should marry the girl. I should take the job. I should, you know, I mean, really big life altering decisions. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing for me is, you know, yeah, for me, it's like these big epiphanies. And so I have no trouble getting home. You know, I don't get home going, well, should I marry her or not? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, for the bit for the big ideas, no question. But, you know, not every I never not every idea is a life changing big idea. Right. How do you hold on to, say, the smaller good ideas? I have the same troubles you do. Uh, for me, All a right. lot of them come. A lot of what we're talking about, I experience when I'm driving, um, yeah. especially if I'm doing a longer drive. Um, mm -hmm. I am a genius when I'm alone in the car. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> when I park the car, less so. So, yeah. uh, I, no, I'm I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. And I'm just praying that I'm not going to have to go out and buy an Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for giving away my secret, man. It's a, but, oh, Hottie, really? you, <laughs> you are a – I mean, you, you bike commute every yeah. day, right? Yeah. And I know that – I mean, when I started the Fat Cyclist blog, it mostly was an it, – it was an output – of my bike commute from back when I lived in Washington and I I rode to Microsoft every day. Mm -hmm. I, I mostly the blog started because I was, you know, just I would have ideas during my commute. I'm guessing that as a regular commuter to and from work every day, you probably have a lot of your great ideas. What do you do with them? Um, yeah. First of all, I have to be careful with the bike commuting and the thinking hmm. and that stuff because there's traffic and I should be paying oh. attention to that too. But I tell you what, be fatty, present. so yeah. a lot of my good ideas actually come when there's more solitude regarding uh, the bike, me and surrounding. So on a trail or my early morning commute when there's not a lot of cars on the road, that's when you can let your mind wander a little bit more and let some of that creativity flow. I tell you what though, if you were to come across me 
while I was alone riding a bike, say you were driving by, you would look over and go, what the, who the F is that guy talking to? What? Because I'm a talker. <laughs> I talk to myself. Oh, this is really? what I do. I talk to myself and I do it a lot. But the thing is by having a conversation with yourself is it helps those ideas start to flow. The stuff starts to come out because mm-hmm. you start verbalizing your thoughts a little bit. And as you hear them, you kind of go, oh yeah, that doesn't make sense. Or no, that's stupid. Just uh, uh, get rid of that thing. As far as yeah. keeping and storing ideas so they don't slip away into the atmosphere, I tried the old pull over, pull out the phone, record myself, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that didn't work. It, 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 it stopped the flow. And, and if anything, it disrupted the creative moment. So mm. I got rid of that. Um, I will, if I can... If I'm in front of a desk, not on the bike, send myself an email. That works very well. I'll just do a quick email, jot the idea down, send to myself. Uh, otherwise, I try as best I can to keep the idea circulating in my head, get home, and just write it down. It may just be a line. It's not even the whole mm-hmm. narrative. I'll just write down. Like my picks, my paceline picks, I'll just sit down and go, um, do something on your blender. <laughs> and I'll just write that down. And I'll go, okay. Yep. And then as long as I've written it down, it's stored in my memory bank then. And then I can start marinating the idea. Yeah. And then yeah. when I go to write it, it, then it comes out just fine. Hopefully. Yep. It's interesting uh, that you talk to yourself, you know, that that fits the kind of person that you are. I also mutter to myself. It helps me to get the, the phrasing right for mm-hmm. things I say when I hear, uh, when I hear myself and the, the way a sentence goes. I will be able to hold on to it better often. Um, I have also got a lot of uh, odd looks and uh, a lot of eye rolls and eventually acceptance from my wife on (laughs) that kind of thing. uh, Rather fatty. Today, I was at a major intersection in Los Angeles at a red light crosswalk a busy crosswalk i am talking out loud i don't i can't remember what it was about i'm talking out here comes a girl (laughs) walking in the crosswalk right in front of me i'm straddling my back she's looking over me like who are you talking to nobody i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's just myself just myself well guys one of the reasons i wanted to bring this topic up as my poll today is because i have come up with what i think is a truly Really good solution. I It occurred to me, actually, on a ride. I've been using it for the last month, and so it's not just a flash-in-the-pan idea. It is working great for me, and it is worth sharing. And we will talk about what that is when we get to my Paceline pick. Yep, I'm ending my poll with a cliffhanger. Anyone who knows my blog knows that is my signature move. So, Patrick... Yeah. Let's get on to you have the first paceline pick. I'm not even going to make my pick first. I'm going to make wow. you all hang on for a second. <laughs> We're at the part of the show where we each briefly plug something that may or may not have anything to do with bikes. What's your pick, Patrick? Well, this, in fact, may be my first ever non-cycling specific paceline pick. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Can you handle it? <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay. It's the iPod shuffle. Speaking of Apple products, um, I'm doing a lot of riding off-road. Between mountain biking and gravel riding, almost half my time each week is uh, on the bike is spent in Annadale State Park. Uh, I live a block away, so I, you know, I, it's easy to do that, and it's it gives me a great way to avoid traffic. So most of my rides, because I'm riding midday, are also alone. So I want something to happen. I I don't always just want to be in my head. So I've been wearing an iPod shuffle. I've got Hmm. two of them and I've got a couple of different mixes. um, And honestly, all of those mixes except for one would drive most people absolutely nuts. Um, So anyway, (laughs) um, I know many people who load up a series of podcasts to listen to when they are riding. I hear about this from time to time. And honestly, I'm grateful because one of the things I hear regularly is that they load up a bunch of pace lines. So that's really cool. But when I'm on the bike, I don't want more voices unless it's someone I'm actually riding with. Um, But, you know, three quarters of my mission when I'm on the bike is to hack into flow. And so music is a big piece of that code. Uh, I try to sing along with one of the parts as much as possible. So sometimes I'm singing along with the lyrics. Sometimes I'm singing along with the drum part. Just don't ask. Uh, Or sometimes (laughs) it's a guitar or bass part. 
But what I'm trying to do is focus on some piece of the song and really tune into that so that as I ride along, my brain goes silent. It's, it's a big, important part of my enjoyment on the bike. So iPod shuffle. iPod shuffle. You know, uh, Lisa also rides with iPod shuffles. What she really likes about them is that you can clip them. You know, they have the built-in clip just right onto the bottom of your jersey. Yeah. So, yeah. She's a fan too. And like you, she has a couple of them, each with a different playlist. So uh, nice way to go. Yeah. And uh, something shared along the way. It, I, I am thinking that between the three of, you know, the three hosts of the pace line, between you singing to yourself and Hottie and I each talking to our own selves, we would be horribly confusing to ride with. <laughs> Hottie. You get the red jersey for today's episode for most aggressive uh, poll. Now let's have your pick. Guys, we have talked before about who should replace Phil and Paul when that time comes. I originally threw out the name Ned Bolting. A good choice, but I think I have something better. If I were head of NBC Sports, and you know that could happen any day now, my play-by-play and color commentary team for cycling would come right from the NBC Sports family. And if you've been paying any attention to the Olympics or the internet, you will be very familiar with their work. As the roars rattle around the cross-country stadium in Pyeongchang, Sweden, the U.S. and Norway come into the line. Here comes Diggins! Here On the outside, Diggins making the play around Sweden. Yes! Jesse Diggins yes! to the line. Yes! And it is yes! Jesse Diggins oh! delivering a landmark oh! moment that will be etched in U.S. Olympic history, the first ever cross-country gold medal for the U.S. That is Steve Schlanger and Chad Salmella calling the women's sprint relay at the Winter Games. Their call is being compared to Al Michaels' Do You Believe in Miracles moment. Schlanger, we know. He's already part of the NBC Cycling broadcast team. Salmella is a cross-country coach at a small school in Minnesota, who moonlights on weekends as an announcer doing World Cup events. Here's the crazy thing about that call. It sounds like Schlanger and Salmella are there in Pyeongchang. But no, they are actually in Stamford, Connecticut. You see, NBC, who employs 3,000 people on the Olympic coverage, did not fly every announcer to the Games. So Schlanger and Salmella actually captured the excitement from the other side of the planet. Now, could you imagine those two calling a Tour de France sprint finish when they are actually on the finish line? I could. But guys, I'm not done playing program director here. I'm going to make one more change to the tour coverage. As much as I love Bob Roll and Christian Vandeveld, I would like to add some spice. And this is where I go really over the top. Patrick, you think you got people worked up with your little piece about boycotts and bikes? Wait till you hear this. Again, I'm going in-house for my pre- and post-race show host and analyst. We'll keep Liam McHugh. Always good to have a Scotsman on board, and he knows the tour well enough. But here's where things get crazy. While watching the games, I really fell for a duo who every night surprised us with their spot-on analysis and their unforgettable looks. I'm talking about Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir. That's right, figure skating's hottest broadcast couple. I just didn't get enough of them during the games, and I want more, especially Johnny Weir, who has a sharp tongue and is an even sharper dresser. One night, he had his hair all done up to look like a nest and even had fake birds stashed in his hair to go with. High heel boots, puffy shirts, and pearls. His look is Liberace on steroids. Just the kind of thing the old stuffy TDF needs. Weir will put the queen in queen stage. And look, you think I'm just pulling this out of my you-know-what? During an audience question session, McHugh asked Lipinski and Weir what other sport they would like to do. And without hesitation, they both said the Tour de France. And I say, we. So, there are my picks. Yes, crazy. Yes, outlandish. But hey, I'm the president of NBC Sports, and I say it's Schlanger, Salmella, McHugh, Lipinski, and Weir all the way to the Champs-Élysées. Oh, man. That would bring some new passion to, to the tour. 
I don't know. I don't have a counter argument, man. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to second you. <laughs> Very good. With that, I'm going to go ahead and take my turn uh, at the pace line pick. And here is here it is. I, I, I hope I haven't overbuilt it because what I really have is something very practical. Now, I've tried a few things to capture my ideas. I've tried pencil and paper. I've tried a digital recorder. I've tried using my phone kind of the way that you were describing, Hottie. None of them have really worked for a variation of the same two reasons. First, planning and bulk. Bringing pencil and paper or a digital recorder require I plan and that I bring something. And like most cyclists, I don't like bringing a ton of stuff with me on rides. And like just myself, I am terrible at planning. Second, hassle. Taking out and unlocking my phone, starting a voice memo or other app, and then typing what I want to say. It takes too much time and coordination. I always wear gloves when I'm riding, and I just hate having to put a foot down during a ride. But I figured out something that works for me. I use my Apple Watch. And Patrick, shame on you for uh, for stealing my lead on I, that. I was I, guessing. If you'd said it before, it I, was I a, clearly forgot. Um, it was a good. It was a good guess then. Anyway, but it's Apple Watch is only the first part of the equation because that didn't do me a lot of good until just recently, when I installed the Evernote app on my watch and set it up as what is called a complication on the watch face, meaning that there is an Evernote icon on my watch face all the time. Wait, they call so, an, a, a they call an icon it, that you put on the watch face a complication? Yeah, that's actually a watch term that uh, Apple borrowed. So that's it yeah, they bad call that a complication. Term. <laughs> uh, I I agree, but it is the term. Okay. So the idea the idea is you have that elephant uh, head uh, icon on your watch face at all times. Now, anytime I want to capture an idea, all I do is I tap that icon on my watch, tap the big add note button, and then I talk. That's all there is to it. I don't have to take out a phone. I don't have to turn anything on. I don't have to start a nap. I tap, tap. And Evernote transcribes what I say with really good accuracy, certainly good enough to get my idea down. And then it's there for me in Evernote on my computer the next time that I sit down, ready to work with. Two taps and talk, uh, and I am ready to go. Side benefit here is if you're not desperately fighting to hold on to your great idea, you enjoy your ride more, and you open your mind to additional insights. If you're not having to try to hold on to the one you just had, and instead have already got it down, you can continue thinking, let it go, let this great idea continue down its path, or maybe even have another great idea. So if you have, and then lose great ideas while you're writing, Evernote on your smartwatch, it, it may well be on other, you know, Android style smartwatches as well. I'm sure it is. But you know, for me, an Apple watch, it may be the most useful pace line pick that I have ever had. And that may or may not be saying very much, <laughs> but Yuri, I'm going to go ahead and give you the final pick of the pace line. Oh, thank you, Fatty. I'm honored. Uh, my uh, pick has to do with food. Go figure. I work for a sports nutrition company, but this pick may also get me fired. Um, so we... Oh, perfect. Yeah. So we have a full range of products, obviously, at Goo, but what we do not have is a bar yet. Um, and doing... The amount of riding that I do and sometimes the duration of what I do, your palate changes and you want food that uh, is saltier, tastes more, you know, real, um, something that you can sink your teeth into. And for me, I've sort of discovered that my breaking point is about six hours where I need to sort of switch it off to something else um, besides, you know, Roctane gel and drink or chews or whatever else I'm eating. Um, and a friend recently introduced me to um, Epic Bar, uh, and in particular, their chicken sriracha bar, uh, which has 15 grams of protein, 100 calories, and uh, 400 milligrams of sodium. And I used three of them the other day. I did this nine and a half hour ride uh, from Petaluma to Monterey, and I ate three of them, and they were just like the perfect post five and a half, six hour a uh, little snack that gave me the salt I was craving and was something different than the sports nutrition I'd been eating all day. And so uh, that's my pick. I'm really excited to discover Epic Bars. Um, there you have it. 
So are those actual – is that actual chicken in it, your chicken sriracha bar? It's actual chicken, dude, but they've killed it. So it's, it's not meat. live. It's meat. Yeah. <laughs> it, okay. it, rock, it, rock. It, yeah, it's live. That it's, was my and, and it's gluten-free. There's 15 grams of protein. They're really tasty. They do pork ones. They do beef mm-hmm. ones. They have a um, buffalo or a bison one, I think. They might. Yeah, they yeah. might. They are really good. Uh, it, it definitely, you know, is a nice change from the, the sweet sports nutrition you might have going. And the mm-hmm. salt is just like your system is just craving that salt. And so I'm really excited because I will be using these uh, as I prepare and then for the Dirty Kansas XL that I'm doing in June. Okay. A brave paceline pick coming from the community manager at Goo Energy Labs. Yes. Thank you very much, Yuri. Hopefully nobody hears that. Nah, nobody listens to this podcast. It's just us. <laughs> so, <laughs> Patrick, what is coming up on redkiteprayer.com this week? Well, because we did finalists for each of the categories at NABS, uh, each of my posts about NABS is a good deal longer because I'm taking time to talk about what made the other bikes that were finalists great and why you know, how, how it was we came to those decisions. So I'm still producing posts about NABs and we'll be probably into sometime next week. <laughs> All right. The more the merrier. I'm enjoying those a lot. We talked about that a little bit uh, last week and that how the, uh, the NABs types bikes are a little bit out of my wheelhouse. I'm enjoying learning. Uh, so keep them up. Cool. And I think that is going to be it for the show. Uh, Yuri, thanks so much for rabble rousing with us today, and it's been it's been great having you on. Join us anytime, man. Oh, my pleasure, you guys. Always an honor to talk to you. Um, I have a lot of respect for everything that all you guys do, so it's fun to get on here and chat with like minded folks. Thanks for having me, and um, yeah, I look forward to coming on a future episode. Sweet, man. And one last reminder to our listeners: find us on Apple Podcasts. Take a moment to rate it and review us. For Hadi and Patrick and Yuri today, I'm Fatty. Thanks so much for listening to episode 105 of The Pace Line. I hope I didn't rant too much. Oh, nope. you, you no, ranted no. just enough.